Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Hebrews 10 verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, can everybody say confidence? To enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, is everyone glad they have a great priest this morning? Amen. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God. That God, although our circumstances may change, although our our feelings may change, God, we thank you that you never change. That God, you are a faithful God. You are faithful to hear prayer. You are faithful to answer prayer. You are faithful to meet needs. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would have your way this morning to bring revelation to our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Confidence. The Bible here says, I want to talk to you about prayer this morning. Is that okay? That's just a word that God's put on my heart. And it says here in the book of Hebrews that we can come and we can come into God's presence and we can pray with confidence. And we can have a full assurance of faith. I like that. That when we pray, we're not hoping for the best. We're not wondering whether God's going to hear and God's going to answer. But instead, we can pray with full assurance of faith. Because our God is a faithful God. You know, every Christian knows the importance of prayer. That Jesus said that my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. And most Christians know the power that comes from prayer. That when we offer up our prayers, it links us with heaven. It links us with the all-powerful, all-knowing, mighty creator of the heavens and, and the earth. Prayer is powerful. And yet, most Christians that you meet struggle to pray. I brought with me some, uh, some teaching CDs this morning, and I may mention those later on. But I have one on prayer. And it's interesting that whenever I go to churches... Uh, afterwards, I'll go to the team, often I have a team with me, and say, you know, which messages uh, have, have people taken home with them? And they all say the prayer one has just sold out. Everyone wants to know how to pray more. Everyone wants their prayer life to go to another level. You see, most Christians, although they understand the power and the importance of prayer, they struggle to pray. And I really think that, that one of the reasons that is, is because often you hear about these great prayer warriors, these great intercessors who maybe pray for five, six hours a day. And it's like our lives are so far removed from that. 
And you hear about people who it's almost like everything they pray for, God just kind of answers immediately. And they pray with such, uh, with such faith because of that. And yet, let's be honest, most of us struggle in the area of prayer. Most of us struggle to set that time apart to pray. And most of us, we pray and, and sometimes we see the results and sometimes we don't. Am I speaking the truth this morning? And so most Christians get very discouraged when it comes to the whole area of prayer. Because they think that they have to pray for six, seven hours a day. And they have to pray with great anointing and great authority. And and they, they have to see, you know, immediate results all the time. And if they don't, they're a complete failure. But I want to encourage you this morning. That the Bible says that each and every one of us can come to that place of prayer. And even if it's just for a few moments every day, we can come into the presence of God and pray. And we can do so with confidence. And we can do so with a full assurance of faith. Knowing that no matter who we are this morning, God will hear and answer our prayers when we pray in faith. And when we pray in confidence. It says, therefore, brothers, we have confidence to enter the most holy place through the blood of Jesus Christ. I love preaching about the blood of Jesus Christ. It may be old-fashioned. I may be an old-fashioned Pentecostal. But I believe that there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is the source of our power. The blood of Jesus is the source of our salvation. The blood of Jesus is a source of miracles, signs and wonders that I believe are going to happen in this church today. The blood of Jesus is a source of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that I believe is going to happen in this church today. And the blood of Jesus totally changes the way that we pray. When we have a revelation of the power of the blood of Jesus, it totally changes and transforms our prayer life. You see, most, many Christians, they come to God to pray and they, it's almost like they're wondering whether God is even listening or not. You know, am I good enough to be in the presence of God? Does God even like me, let alone want to answer my prayers? Am I praying in God's will? Is it God's will to heal me? Is it God's will to bless me? Can I have that confidence that God is actually listening to me? And answering my prayers. Friends, let me tell you that when you have a revelation of the blood of Jesus, it totally changes the way that you pray. When you have that revelation of the blood, you can come to God in the place of prayer and you can pray with confidence and with full assurance of faith. Therefore, now I've been brought up to know that whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you have to look at what it's. Therefore, so the preceding verses say this in verse, um, verse 14, speaking about Jesus and what he did on the cross. It says, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Verse 17, then he adds, their sins and their lawless acts, I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Therefore, brothers, we have confidence to pray. Is anyone glad that their sins are forgiven this morning? 
You see, I, I go to many, uh, many prayer meetings. We have prayer meetings in our church every week. And many Christians, they will stand up and pray. And they'll begin their prayers something like this. Father God, we know that we're totally undeserving. And we know that we're nothing more than filthy, miserable, wretched sinners. And that we're nothing but a miserable dog in your eyes. I remember one guy praying that. I thought, well, we ought to close the meeting and all go home now if that's, that's the hope that we've got. But praise God that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us as miserable, dirty, rotten sinners. He doesn't see us as dogs, but he sees us washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of the blood of Jesus... We are forgiven this morning. Not only are our sins forgiven, but our sins are forgotten. We're the ones that keep bringing them up. God has forgotten them. As far as the east is from the west, our sins have been taken away. And because of the blood of Jesus, we are righteous this morning. Because of the blood of Jesus, we are holy this morning. Because of the blood of Jesus, we stand before God faultless this morning and because of that we can come into God's presence and pray with confidence and with full assurance of faith. In verse 35 of this chapter it says do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded. You know there are rewards when we come to prayer. The Bible says that your father who sees when you pray in secret, he will reward you. You know, every time you come into God's presence to pray, sometimes we might not see the results straight away. But let me tell you, prayer is never without reward. Whenever you come into the presence of God to pray, there are always rewards that will flow into your life. And it says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Everyone say receive. I don't know about you, but I don't just want to know what God has promised. I want to receive the promises of God. Amen. Who knows there's a big difference? Who knows that you can memorize and know all the promises of God in the word, but there's a big difference between just knowing the promises and receiving the promises. I don't just want to be someone that knows that God can heal. If I'm sick, I want to receive healing. I don't just want to know that God is able to bless. I want to receive the blessing of God. I don't just want to know that God can save. If there's members of my family that don't know the Lord, I want them to receive salvation. I don't just want to know that God can pour out his spirit and bring revival and, and change a city or a nation. I want to receive it in my lifetime. And the Bible says here that the key to receiving the promises of God are that we, is that we do the will of God. And the will of God, it makes very clear in verse 35, is that we don't throw away our confidence. That we come before God in that place of prayer with confidence and with full assurance of faith. What does it mean to be confident? You, you just picture for a moment, maybe a young person about to go into an exam or someone's got a job interview or a driving test or something like that and they're there in the waiting room they've got their feet up on the table they're flicking through a magazine they've got a big smile on their face it's as if they've not got a care in the world would you say that that is a pretty confident person? you would, yeah 
But you know, one of our great dangers in the Bible is that often we read things in the Bible and we interpret their meaning according to our culture and our language. But who knows that the Bible wasn't written in English? wasn't even written in Yorkshire. It was written in Greek and Hebrew. And the Greek word for confidence that's used throughout the New Testament is very, very interesting. It's the word parisia. And it means the act of speaking. Freedom in speaking all that one thinks or desires. So to be confident in God is not just to go through our Christian lives without a care in the world, thinking, well, whatever will be, will be. You know, I might get sick, my family might be in a mess, things might be falling apart, but you know, I'm just trusting the Lord, everything will be okay. That is not confidence. Confidence that the Bible talks about is coming to God in that place of prayer and opening our mouths and speaking and declaring the will of God into our lives. That's what faith is. That's what confidence is. Faith is not passive. It's something that speaks out and declares and receives the will of God. How many times did Jesus heal people in the Bible? And many times he would say afterwards, your faith has made you well. But notice that none of those people were passive. Some of them were a little bit strange. Some of them did things that were a little bit unusual. Like Zacchaeus who ran ahead of the crowd and he he climbed up a tree. Like Bartimaeus who made a bit of a scene shouting out by the side of the road. All the Pharisees, they knew all the doctrines and they knew all the scriptures. But none of the Pharisees received the miracle. Because when they came to Jesus, they came with unbelief. They came with cynicism and doubt. But People like Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus and others, they cried out to God for mercy. They cried out and spoke and declared and lifted their voices. And Jesus saw that as faith, as confidence. And he met their miracle, he met their need and did a miracle in their lives. And church, we can't just go through life passive. We can't go through life just thinking, well, whatever will be, will be. Friends, it's going to take a man, a woman, a boy or a girl to get a hold of God and to start to lift our voices and speak out and declare the prayers of God, the prayers that God puts on our hearts and to speak these things out so that we can receive the will of God for our lives. That's what prayer is. You know, when Philip was leading earlier on and he was saying, come on, let's worship the Lord in our own tongue. You know, that wasn't just a suggestion. That wasn't just something to fill the gap between the next song. Friends, we need to speak out and declare the praises and the greatness and the wonder of our God. That's what confidence is. That's what faith is. 1 John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us whatever we ask. We know that we have what we have asked of him. It's all about confidence. Friends, prayer, receiving answers to prayer, is nothing to do with the eloquence of your prayer. It's nothing to do with the length of your prayer. It's nothing to do with how loud you can shout. It's all to do with you, with confidence, speaking out and declaring 
what we have in Christ Jesus. And speaking it out, nothing to do with our eloquence, but all to do with our faith and our boldness and our confidence. You know, you will never pray effectively praying like you don't deserve to pray. Did you hear that? You, you can't come into that place of prayer doubting that you're not good enough to be in the presence of God, that you're not worthy, that God's probably not listening. It's only that John puts it like this. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. When you realize that in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. In Christ Jesus, I have been empowered to come into the presence of God. A way has been made through the blood of Jesus so that I can come into that place of prayer with faith and confidence. That's when we start to see answers to our prayer. I just want to, over the next 25 minutes, you know, the key to prayer is relationship. Put your hand up if you're with someone this morning who you're related to. Someone here, a wife or a a family member, a husband. Okay, you can put your hands down. Okay, put your hand up if there's someone here this morning who either you've never seen before or you don't know them that well. Okay, I'm here and most of you have not met me before. Okay, would you agree that there's a big difference in the way that you approach someone who you're related to and someone who you've never met before if you'd got a need and you wanted to ask someone for help. Yeah? It's exactly the same with prayer. The way that we view our relationship with God will affect the way that we approach God in prayer. Whether we approach God with confidence and boldness like the Bible tells us to, or whether we come into that place of prayer with timidity and doubt and unbelief. It all depends on how we view our relationship with God. I just want to go through, only briefly, not going to spend a lot of time on these scriptures, just five people who had different relationships with the Lord and how they prayed, how they asked. So the first one, look at Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verse 21, it says this, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Wow. What was this, relation, this woman's relationship with Jesus? Well, the fact is, she didn't have one. This woman was not a Jew. She didn't have any of the promises. 
She didn't have any of the covenants. She couldn't trace her ancestry back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus' ministry at that time was purely to the Jews. It wasn't to the Gentiles. It wasn't her time to receive a miracle. You know, some people say that, you know, maybe it's not your time to receive a miracle. I think there's some truth in that, but it wasn't this woman's time to receive a miracle, but she got one anyway. She had no relationship at all to Jesus. It wasn't part of his ministry, his mission, nothing. She had no right to receive her answer to prayer. And yet, there was one thing that she appealed to Jesus about. She said, Lord, have mercy. In other words, Lord, I don't deserve this. I have no right to this. But I believe that you are good enough to do a miracle. Friends, I want to say this morning that our God is a good God. And sometimes we come to, to the place of prayer. And sometimes, and there may be people here this morning. And your relationship with Jesus is not that great. Maybe you're not full of faith. Maybe you've not read through the Bible. Maybe you might look at other people in church and think, well, I'm not as anointed as them. I'm not as close to God as them. I'm not as full of faith as them. Oh, if only I knew the Bible like Pastor Peter. Oh, if only I'd been saved 30 years like that particular person. But the truth is, I don't know Jesus that well at all. But friends, let me tell you this morning, even if your relationship with God is not as strong as other people, God is a good God. And you can receive, still receive your answer to prayer this morning. She said, Lord, have mercy on me. You know, myself and, and, and Pastor Peter and Jane, we were in a, a conference a few months ago in Hull where Nathan Morris was preaching. And on the first day, it was a, a, I don't know if you shared this, this story with the people, but it was, a, it was a pastor's meeting. And there was a lady there that was in a wheelchair. And I can't quite remember what the condition, but I think there was, she was paralyzed part of her body. And she'd been in this wheelchair for many, many years. And she had to have carers come and help her out of the wheelchair and get dressed and washed. And, and the carers had to come several times during the day. And she'd come to Hull for this conference. And, and in the morning, she'd, she'd checked into the hotel. But there were all stairs up to the hotel. And so she had to be carried up the stairs into the hotel. It was a really sad situation. And yet, as Nathan was made to kind of preach, he just kind of came to this lady and he started to pray for her. And within a few moments, the power of God came on this lady and she got up out of the wheelchair and she started to walk around the room. And that evening, she actually walked back to the hotel and she walked up the stairs, totally healed by the power of God. And one of the, the, the members of staff in the hotel was so amazed that she ended up giving her life to Jesus. Incredible miracle. But here was the thing. The meeting was a pastor's meeting. This lady wasn't a pastor. We all had to book in for the conference. But this lady hadn't even booked in. She shouldn't even have been in the meeting. But she still got a miracle. 
And you might look at that and say, well, she didn't even deserve to be there. She not even kept to the rules of the conference. But God is a good God. And even if we've not got it all together, simply in his goodness, God will answer our prayers. Jesus uh, said to the woman at the well, if you only knew who it was, you would ask him for a drink and it would give to you. If you only, church, if you only knew just how good God was. The Bible says that you don't have because you don't ask. And I think many times we don't ask because we don't realize just how good God is. Does God really want to answer this prayer? Sometimes we we think, well, I can only bring big things before God. Friends, even those little, small, insignificant things, we can bring them to God in prayer because he is a good God. And he delights. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. From the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. You know, you never find God in a bad mood. You never come to God in prayer and he's fallen out with you and he doesn't want to talk to you that day. God's a good God. And even if your relationship with him is not altogether, you might not even know the Lord. You might not even be a Christian this morning. But friends, you can still come and ask and receive simply because he is good. Let's look at the next person. Let's look at Luke chapter 18. It says, and Jesus took his, told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Okay, the persistent widow. She approached this judge for justice. Evidently, she was owed something. There was something that was rightfully hers, whether it be money or land or property. And she came to this judge wanting justice, wanting what was rightfully hers. Now, what relationship did this woman have with the judge? She didn't have any, except this. She had a legal relationship. On her side was the law. You see, the law, you read about it in Deuteronomy. It says, cursed is a judge who denies justice to a widow. So the law said that the judge had to give justice to this lady. And I can just imagine this lady coming every day, night and day to this judge, saying, but the law says this. The law says this. The law says this. Now that judge wasn't a particularly nice person. He was unjust. He was a cruel, hard man. And this lady, as a widow in those days, had no rights. But she had the word. And she could keep coming to that judge 
saying, but the word says, the word says, the word says. And in the end, the judge got so fed up that he said, okay, you can have what you want. He couldn't deny her. Even he didn't want to meet her request, but he had to because he could not deny what the word says. Cursed is the judge who denies justice to a widow. Friends, let me tell you this morning that we serve a covenant-keeping God. And when you come to God in prayer, you have the word on your side. Even if God was a horrible God, even if God didn't want to meet, the, meet your needs, even if God didn't like you that very, very much, hear this, he would still have to meet your needs because he has bound himself to keeping his word. Praise God, God is a good God. God is a loving God, but my point is this. Even if he wasn't any of those things, he has still made a covenant that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And even excluding his love and grace and faithfulness, when you come to that place of prayer, you can come with the word of God and you can say to God, God, your word says, so you have to answer. Many times people come to prayer like it's pick and mix. Well, maybe God will answer, maybe he won't. Friends, I believe with all my heart that God is a covenant-keeping God. And that healing is a covenant. That provision is a covenant. That the blessing of God is a covenant. That the, the faithfulness of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's a covenant. That peace and joy and love and mercy and goodness, they're a covenant. And when I come to God in prayer, I can say, God, I have a covenant. Your word says that these things are to be mine. And so in faith, I receive them. Many times we hear people quote the, the prayer of Jabez when he, he cried out, God, that you would bless me and, and enlarge my territory and all those things. It says God answered his request. But there's a little throwaway line right at the beginning. It says, Jabez prayed to the God of Israel. To the people who God had made a covenant with. His prayer was based on the fact that God was a covenant-keeping God. And God answered his request. And so friends, even if this morning you don't believe that God is a good God a faithful God, a kind God, even if you can't get your head around the fact that God loves you unconditionally, understand that God has made a legal contract, a new covenant signed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And therefore, when you come to that place of prayer, based on the fact that you have a covenant with God, he has to hear an answer every time. Amen? Okay, next one. Look at Luke chapter 11. Verse 5, it says, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, let me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in, bread, in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread... 
because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Okay, so this man has a need. Does anybody have a need this morning? For them, for their family, their church, their community? Put your hand up if you have a need this morning. So he goes to the one who has the resources to meet that need. Praise God, we have one who has the resources this morning to meet every need. And here's the thing. This man is not a stranger, but it's his friend. Who knows there's a big difference. You wouldn't just knock on the door of a complete stranger. And this is not an emergency. It's not like, you know, you know his wife's sick or whatever. He just wants a loaf of bread. You wouldn't knock on the door of a complete stranger wanting a loaf of bread. But you might have the confidence to do that if it was the house of your best friend. Friends, who knows that we're friends of God this morning? That when we come before God in that place of prayer, we are talking to our friend this morning. And friends, that is one of the crucial things when it comes to having confidence with God in prayer. That we're not talking to a God who is distant and far away. But Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And friends, we can pray, even if it's not six hours a day. It might just be a few moments, but a few moments with your friend. And it just so happens that your friend has the resources to meet every need that you will ever face. Hallelujah. And it says at the sound of his friend's knocking, he got up. Didn't Pastor Peter pray just before I got up to preach? Let God arise. Friends, when we knock, when we pray to our friends... God, hallelujah, our friend arises. Our praying moves God. And even if there are times when it appears as though God might be asleep, friends, when we call out to our friend, God will arise and God will meet our needs. And it said, he will give him as much as he needs. Praise God, we don't serve a God who's stingy. God must not be a Yorkshireman. Because he gives as much as he needs. We serve a generous God. A great God. A good God. And he doesn't just want to meet your need this morning. He wants to give you over and above anything you can ask, think or imagine. Hallelujah. Okay, just a couple more. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Verse 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask him. I hope you can see this morning the progression. 
The lady right at the beginning, she had no relationship with Jesus. The second lady, it was a legal relationship. The, the third guy who we looked at in the parable, it was a relationship of friends. But here we have an even greater relationship. The relationship of sons. Praise God. Not only do we pray to a good God, who even if you don't know him, he'll answer your prayer. Not only do we serve a covenant-keeping God, not only do we pray to a God who is our friend, but we pray to our God, who's also our dad. Our dad. Hallelujah. You know, you, even your best friend, you might, they might ask you something and you say, I'm not doing that. Our friendship's not that tight. But friends, if you're a parent this morning, wouldn't you want to meet the needs of your kids if you were able? Friends, we're God's kids this morning. Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father. You know, those two words change prayer forever. You know, I've got a dad. And if Pastor Peter were to come to me this morning and say, How's your dad doing? There wouldn't be anything unusual in that, would there? But if he were to come to say, how's our dad doing? I think that's a little bit weird. He's my dad, not your dad. But Jesus says, I've got a brother. I think he's been here before. When my brother rings me, he doesn't say, how's your dad doing? He says, how's our dad doing? Because me and him have the same relationship with our father and when Jesus said when you pray pray our father what is he saying he's saying that you have exactly the same relationship with daddy that Jesus does isn't that wonderful who knows yeah you can give the Lord praise can you ever find an instance in the bible where Jesus prays for something and the father turns him down and says, no way. I can't think of any. Jesus was always heard. Why? Because he was God's son. And friends, you're God's kids this morning. And whatever you pray, your father hears and answers. And we have to have confidence in that this morning. Now, I know that prayer is much more than just bringing your shopping list before God. It involves worship and adoration and all kinds of things. But we're dealing specifically with the area of asking this morning. And when you ask, you're asking to your daddy. So as we kind of bring this to a close, you just picture the scene. We'll, we'll think of it on a natural level. Person one is a complete stranger in the street. You've got a need. Maybe you've lost your car keys or something and, and you go up to them and ask for help. You're totally trusting in whether they're a good person or not. You may have confidence, you may have not. Instance two, you've got a need. You go up to a policeman. Now who knows that that policeman might not be a particularly nice person. But you've got the law on your side. Instance three, your best mate. 
You go up to them. Who knows? It's a greater level of confidence that you have than the other two. Instance four, you go to your mother, your father. Who knows that that's an even greater level of confidence? Do you see the relationship we have with the Lord? We can have confidence. Because not only is he a good God, not only is he a covenant-keeping God, not only is is he our friend, but he's also our dad. Does it get any better than that? Well, I think it does. I think there's one more. Is there a better relationship, a closer relationship than between a father and a son? There's probably one more, isn't there? And that's the bond between a husband and a wife. Because the Bible says that actually when you come together and you marry someone, you're one flesh with that person. And the Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. And Jesus said these words in John. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you can ask for anything and it will be given to you. The Greek word there for anything means anything. Who thinks that anything includes healing? Who thinks that anything includes the blessing of God? Who thinks that anything includes the provision of God? Who thinks that anything includes salvation for your family? Who thinks that anything includes God pouring out his spirit in this church? Who thinks that anything includes God moving in great power in Cambridge in the United Kingdom? In fact, anything to me, is a blank check. But the condition for the blank check is that you abide, that you are the bride of Christ, that you are one with him. You see, when you become a bride, you get your husband's name. And Jesus said, I have given you my name and you can ask for anything in my name and it will be given unto you. Praise God this morning that we are the bride of Christ and that we can come to our bridegroom and on the basis of intimacy with him, ask for anything and it will be given unto us. As a closing illustration, you read in the book of Esther about two people. You read about a man called Mordecai and it says that Mordecai is in, is in real distress Because his people, the Jews, are about to be killed. And so it says he puts on sackcloth, which was a sign of mourning. And it says he went to the king. But it says, there's a very interesting phrase. It said he only got as far as the gates. Because no one wearing sackcloth was allowed into the king's presence. But then it says Esther in her royal robes, went into the presence of the king. And the king held out the golden scepter and said, ask whatever you desire and it will be given unto you, even half the kingdom. There are two kinds of Christians. 
there are those who wear sackcloth. Those who come to it before God and it's, it's almost like, oh Lord, just have mercy on me. I'm nothing but a, a miserable dog, a miserable sinner. Oh, if you're up there listed, then please do something. God might answer those kinds of prayers, but you only get as far as the gates. But then there are those who realize, I'm married to the king. I'm putting on my royal robes that Jesus purchased for me with his blood. And I'm coming right into the presence of the king of kings. Right before that throne of grace. And you know what happens? The Lord doesn't look at you with condemnation. Doesn't say, who are you? He says, that's my bride. And he holds out the golden scepter. He says, ask whatever you desire. Praise God. He doesn't just offer us half the kingdom. He gives us the whole kingdom. That's how good our God is. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.